Record is now. Um, uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today, my guest is uh, a man. Uh, he played football for uh, his high school, college, and he actually made it to the big time. And uh, he is now uh, a speaker and a coach. Uh, his name is Anthony Trucks. Anthony, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, it's Friday. Uh, we're above ground, so you can't really complain, right? Yeah, I agree, man. At the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, we're still living. So, um, you know, my, my buddy Fernando reached out to me, uh, and he said you'd be – he saw what I was doing with this podcast, and mm -hmm. he said you would be a, a good person to be on uh, just because what, what I was trying to do with this is um, small business people, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs yeah. – uh, people that are influenced in their community, not just their neighborhood, right? But just uh, uh, influence in their overall following and community. Yeah. And, um, and the struggles they face, obstacles they face, uh, because there's people out there that might be on that fence of being an entrepreneur and like, well, where do I even start? And mm -hmm. uh, people are afraid of failure, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I started to look into into your story uh you have a pretty unique story um so can you talk a little bit about you, like your your start like your story from when you were a child and some of the struggles you may have faced as a as a kid teenager yeah definitely man it's a lot it's uh it's interesting because it all takes place out here where we physically tangibly are at the moment kind of right so i was uh in martinez i was born in 83 uh, at three years old, I had myself and three siblings. I was three, two, one, and I had my, my sister as a newborn. And then my mom just gave us all away in the foster care system. So essentially, we, uh, we didn't matter to her, man. We weren't, we weren't important enough to keep as our kids. Uh, they all had the same dad. I had just me. And so I went through a lot of years in a foster care system in this area, Concord, Pittsburgh, Brentwood area, um, just dealing with some really heinous human beings, man. This, this caused, caused a lot of just internal you know, turmoil with my heart, just from the way they treated me, starved me, beat me, tortured me, weird stuff as a kid. Uh, six years old, I ended up in a family, which is my family to this day. Unique thing is I was and still kind of am the only black person in that all white family. And so I had a lot of weird diversity issues growing up. My, you know, my biological mom wasn't around, but chose to try to make my life hell. Super weird. Adopted at 14. Uh, one of six kids in that family grew up really poor the entire time, by the way. And then uh, when it got to be, you know, 14, I got to, to kind of have the first time, like, no, this is a place I get to sleep tonight. Like I knew for the first time, the place that I woke up, that's where I'm going to bed. And it was a different kind of feel. And then I started playing football for the first time, played for AJW out there was Deer Valley's youth football at the time, but now DBYF, but they used to be called Antioch Junior Wolverines. Played for them for the first year, was horrible at football. The very next year, going to high school, um, still horrible at football. I got a lot of dynamics at home that are issues. My mom got diagnosed with MS. My brother goes off to the military, so I'm kind of just hanging by myself. I'm sucking at this sport. I don't fit in with the rest of the people at school because everybody calls me an Oreo who's black, and everybody who's white is like, I don't fit in with them. It's just a weird, <laughs> weird dynamic, we'll call it. And I was chalking it up, man. Also, the foster kid in my head, I was like, I'm not worth anything. Like, I'm just this lowly foster kid. I'm not supposed to do well. And I didn't even know until recently, but if you look at statistics in America, any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. 50% um, of the homeless population have spent time in foster care. Less than 1% of foster kids will graduate from college. So like statistically, I'm not set up to do much of anything. And I had this kind of weird kind of catalyst moment that, that shook me out of this 
um, this downward spiral of like, is this some girl making a statement that woke me up and it let me hear my excuse out loud for why I was going to be like chalking it up as a loser in life. And I just started grinding, man. All I knew to do was football. So put in this crazy work and built this identity of a dope football player, man. Best way I can explain, like I was just an animal. I'd, I had done so much work in the dark that you could not beat me in the light. I wasn't going to let it happen. And it turned into me getting a college football scholarship, going to the University of Oregon, had my, actually was with my high school sweetheart, got engaged, had our first son at 20 years old in college, which I don't recommend. <laughs> and then we get to, you know, like a year later, I meet my real dad. My very first collegiate start, uh, I got to meet my dad, play on national television as a true sophomore, and I got a game ball. So like a really cool moment in time. Fast forward a couple of years, I leave the uh, college game going to the NFL. I go as a priority free agent, not drafted, but then I bounce around and stick in for a couple of years. I'm, I got two credited seasons, which is not a normal thing to get. Got hurt in my third year, didn't get my pension. Uh, and so what ends up happening is I come home, I got to figure out who I am. And, and come back home to where we're from, man. It's, it's a blue collar. It's, you know, they, people care about sports or what job you got. And I, that's pretty much it. And so I had no job and I had no sports and I had no identity. Big crisis. Trying to yes, figure out who I was. So especially back then, too, because uh, uh, our, our area has grown tremendously mm-hmm. from that time, right? Probably from the time even when you're in high school to when you got back. Yeah, it did. It, it probably grew. And even uh, when you're in high school, I, um, the population between like whites and blacks, too. It, it, I know at Liberty uh, mm-hmm. High School, when I was like a senior, there's probably like, you know, a handful of black kids. Uh, so how was it in high school, the obstacles you faced of being a foster kid and finally finding a home to permanently to rest your head? Um, what other struggles like, uh, like football? Cause you said you didn't really fit in. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of things you got that, you know, that time of my life, I was, it was interesting dynamic cause like my family, we don't come from like academics are important. No one's checking my homework. No one's making sure I'm doing schoolwork. And I was legit like checking out. I only reason I even got my scholarship was because I got the academics right because my high school sweetheart, uh, who I'm still married to, uh, we figured it out. Like she would help me with classwork and I'd come hang out. And like she was a huge savior to that. But like there's just a lot of turmoil at all times when I was in high school. You know, I, I got arrested at one point for breaking a car with some guys, like just doing dumb kid stuff in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. And, you know, just you just you find that it's an up and down, just topsy turvy, and it's like it's like stepping on a spinning wheel, and somehow you hang on. Like some people fly off, somehow I hung on, and like that was kind of the kind of the realm of how I was living my life at that time. My mom was sick, so my dad's tending to her. You know, my older brother was kind of like my rock. He took off to the military, so like I didn't have that base. And I'm the oldest, and my siblings are kind of running around doing their thing, and there's just no stability, dude. Like it's just all over the place. Football was the only thing that gave me the sense of, I got to stay in the straight and narrow that in track and track became a, a useful tool to get faster for football. Right. Oh yeah. So it was just having that thing that, and I said identity, like my work now in the speaking world, I do in the coaching, it's all an identity. How do you craft the, the identity of the person who has the things that you want? And back then I didn't know it, but I was slowly creating through my work this sense of self to be that guy that was, you know, a successful football player at the time. Yeah. You say uh, uh, it's a constant spinning wheel and you got to hold on to it. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you translate that into that Ninja Warrior? <laughs> that was later, yeah. You know, they had like legit, probably like like physically did that, huh? Ninja Warrior was yeah. interesting years later. That was like the back. That's like more recent when life got yeah, better because yeah. life went way downhill after mm-hmm. college too or after the NFL. But yeah, no, that was uh, for sure. I think the thing is, is those times in my life have always been part of it. I can't go back to any year. My wife and I have gone back and looked at every year of my life and we can't find a single year where there wasn't some like, legitimate could be a life altering moment in time. Something happened, somebody passed, somebody did something crazy. There's always one in my life where every year I'm like, I have navigated 30 plus of these crazy shifts that, that somehow have kept me in this, uh, still been able to stay on that spinning wheel. And I think for me, I, I get used to it now. Like I got, I got sea legs for crazy. I guess is the best way to explain mm-hmm. it. Like I get yeah. in the ship, man. I'm just riding as opposed like everybody else is like trying to get under, under, you know, the, the deck and, and ride the storm. I'm, I'm on top sipping tea in the rain, just kind of standing there hanging. It's just a weird way of the way that I look at life now, but it's because I've got normalized at a crazy damn near. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you can do is control you, right? Like so, everything around you uh, can be hectic, but as long as you're self control and that's all you can do and persevere, right? Focus on I should focus on. I mean, you could try to focus on everybody else, but I find that in my life, there's there's no other brain I get but mine. I don't get my wife's brain. I love my wife to death. I don't get what the hell yeah. she's talking about, right? <laughs> so when I get into conversations with other people, I look at what's going on in the world. I usually try to bring it back internally and say, what can I do to make sense of this for myself? And what's this going to do for me choosing what the next moments of my life will be? What actions mm-hmm. will I take moving forwards? Will I get mad at this guy or girl? Do I let it ride? Do I make a statement? Like, and I control me. And in controlling me, I do control the outcomes to an extent, even if it's controlling how something affects me that I didn't have control of. Mm-hmm. Did you have any influencers uh, growing up uh, outside of your family? You know, your brother went to the military. So yeah. after that, um, did you have anybody you looked up to? I mean, yeah, along the way, I've had many different people, man. I've, I've, I've man of faith, I've had God. Uh, I've had, you know, coaches that were phenomenal at this. And there's always different stages, I think, that people have kind of entered my life. So when I was in high school, I didn't think I could make it to anything past high school, but I had some guys like Tim Manley would take me. He's like the yard duty guy. He'd take me in his little cart and drive around and, like, tell me that, you know, things that I, no one had ever told me, like, hey, I could see you playing in the NFL. I'm like, ah, I don't know about all that. Like, no, I, I, I could see that. So, like, it plants this seed of, like, oh, well, if he thinks it's possible, maybe it is. Because he also told me the principal didn't think it was possible. But he's like, I do. I'm like, oh, that sucks. The principal doesn't think I can do anything great. But you do. You know, so you have these dynamics. They get to college and you got these coaches that are around that are just hard-nosed. My coach in college, man, I hated him. I hated that he was in town when he was in t- If it was like off-season and it was recruiting time, I loved knowing that he was away from this, like, away from this town recruiting and wasn't even going to like not even run into him at the facility. Hated him. But then when I got out, I played with the, with the Buccaneers with John Gruden. Gruden was a walk in the park compared to my coach. So, like, I'm now at this point, like, oh, man, he made my life so hard that life is easier for me now. Mm-hmm. So, like, I appreciate the people that came in. There's been, you know, my wife's been a huge piece of it. My mother-in-law has been a huge piece. My kids have been a huge piece. So there's always been these different people that have, I don't know if it's always like a direct mentorship, like, hey, aunt, like, go do this. But I've, I've been wise enough to listen uh, to people in, in ways that they typically wouldn't be listened to, to garner information that I can then apply to my life to be better. You flipped that switch in high school to the ultimate grind to be the best football player and you made it to college. Obviously that continued, right? Because uh, how was that feeling making it? And finally, like yeah. I, Oregon, 
uh, how was Oregon football back then, right? Uh, well, we were like, right. My my freshman year, we came in. It was a year right after Joey Harrington had left, and so we had some. So we had, they had just become. They were just number two in the country. End of the season, number two in the country, beating Colorado in the Fiesta Bowl at the time. So we came in the next year, went downhill a little bit. The next year, a little more. Like my junior year, not even went to a bowl game like we did poorly. But my senior year, we ball. <laughs> we went. I led the Pac-10 in sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, and fumbles recovered. And on top of that, uh, we ended up going like 10-1. and one. And then like we lost the last bowl game to Oklahoma. I think it was like 17-14, the last few minutes like, of the game. Like very, very tight, close game. Our quarterback threw a pick at the end. But like we, we did well. In fact, I did really well in the bowl. I, I was voted 2000, I think it was like 2002. It's like all bowl league, first team all bowl league. So all the bowl games that took place, I got to be, you know, first team essentially on somebody's, you know, list, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I got the MVP for defense, even though we lost. Like I, <laughs> it's up here. It's a big trophy. It's a big whale up here. But I got nice. the trophy even though we lost the game. So we, we finished off, Oregon finished off pretty good, man. And then you do get to the show. Your question was like the NFL. NFL is a different beast, man. I think there's this, uh, this perspective that everybody's sitting on yachts and hanging out and partying up and we're just chilling. Mm-hmm. It is hell on earth sometimes, man. It was like, like I spent more time playing video games and sit in my room, like, you know, just than, than I could ever imagine. Outside of that, I was like at the facility, watching film, lifting, practicing, watching more film, lifting more, eating. It's just, it's a drudgery. But at the same time, you get used to the monotony of it. And it becomes this thing where it's like you don't you don't even know what's going on in the world outside of football, like your your tunnel vision into it. And so mm. it's a beautiful thing because almost that kind of like seclusion actually helps you just you get better at something, and it helps you cre- like garner and create these really in depth intangible skill sets that I don't know if I could ever teach somebody. The way that I can handle and be okay in hardship. The way that I can handle and be okay in difficulty and, and like in hard conversations, getting yelled at by people, there's things that I can't unplug and like pop into another person. You just kind of have to go through the dirt. Like, and those were the things that I learned because the game, I mean, it's a tactical, you know, you got plays, you got things you do, but it's the feelings and emotions you have to navigate. Because here's the thing, every day they're telling you, you have no job. Imagine if you went to work every day and they're like, hey, we, you, know, we, you suck, man. We're going to cut you. We're going to bring somebody else in. You make the mistake. You keep making the mistake. You're going to have no job every day, every day. So after a while, you just get, you get used to being uncomfortable. It's that statement. You ever heard a statement, get comfortable being uncomfortable? Yeah, I hear it a lot in jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got big dudes on you. Well, you know, I'm considered a big guy on the mats, but I'm only six foot, 215. But mm-hmm. For the most part, everybody's, you know, a, a little, yeah, like 160. So, like, but, like, when you get them big guys, you know, like linemen type guys that want to do it, and you got to get comfortable them being on top of you, and you just got to work your way out of that situation, right? So, yeah, yeah it's all the same I'm, stuff. I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> that's, how, that's how football was. Coach Tom, when I was with the Steelers, that was the first time I heard it was, it was in his one of his meetings. He was like, you got to get comfortable. The NFL is an uncomfortable place. All of it is. The pressure – the, the, you know, you might get cut, the plays, the film, but every, every day it's just so much discomfort. You're bathed in it. And one of the things that I learned was the statement, people hear it wrong. People here get comfortable being uncomfortable as be okay in that position. Just be okay with that discomfort. And when I think of comfort, think about when you think of comfort. Like it's, it's for me, I'm like, man, it'd be nice to be like wintertime in a blanket, hot chocolate with the family color up on the couch, watching a cool movie. Like 
I can feel and settle into that comfort feeling, right? Mm -hmm. But that brings joy. So essentially, it's like when you can get comfortable like that and have joy within discomfort, you will dominate everything in your life. Because where everybody else is okay with it and still not wanting to be there, you're like, oh, let me lean into it. So in jujitsu, it'd be like the guy, it's like, oh, I like taking the big guys on because it teaches me the skills. Like, oh, let's do this, right? There's that guy and there's a guy like, oh, I got to take so-and-so on. All right, let's do it. It's a different mentality and it creates a different outcome. And so for me, football taught me one of those things intangibly. At this point in my life right now, I almost get a, a weird enjoyment out of discomfort. I, I creepy like it. I go seeking it out because I get to test my metal. I get to see what I'm made of. Yeah. But also, I, I step into spaces other people won't, so I get to have other things in life other people can't. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good mindset for your entrepreneurship, right? Um, Huge. Huge for me. So when you lost that, your senior year, you lost that, uh, that bowl game. Did that put a mm. chip on your shoulder? A bit. A I'm little bit. Because it's the last, last college yeah, game ever, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I took down Adrian Peterson. I got a, I, I stripped him at the goal line. It's actually I got a play somewhere of me and AP, and I, I, he was like went to reach over the goal line, and I stripped it, and that was the play that kept us in the game because if if they score right there, they go up a little bit higher. But I got the ball. We drove it back down. It was a really close game. We ended up losing it. So it does suck to lose like that. But of all the people on the team, like I got a I got a trophy. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm cool a little bit. I'm kind of cool with it, you know. Yeah. And I got to play in the league, and I got some cool videos and stuff. So it does. It's bittersweet, man. But just because something doesn't end how you want it to end doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can't create another great beginning somewhere else. Absolutely. And that that will bring us to the point of your career in the NFL was how long? It was three years. Short, three years. Short. NFL stands for not for long. Okay. <laughs> um, so. So you had a pivot big and uh, you came back mm -hmm. and how, how was that feeling when uh, it sucked mm -hmm. because you leave this thing you've been doing for so long. That's yeah. the, that's the big, we all have our own crises, right? If you're a mom who has kids or a dad who has kids, they go to college. You're met with this crisis of like, who am I without my kids and toting them around and going to games or you leave the military. Who am I not being a soldier? Right. Or, who am I not being an athlete or his relationship falls apart? Who am I without this person, you know, or you lose the job. It's like all these things become a crisis. And so for me, I lost this identity that had been my core for 13 years since I was a kid, you know, that was what developed this sense of self-worth. So I came home and I, at this time I had a child, my wife and I were married. We had one kid and then we ended up within like the, the year having another, you know, two more kids, twins. So, you know, I come back and I've lost, uh, I've lost myself. I've lost, you know, this business isn't doing well. Nine months into my first business, dude, I was getting hit with eviction papers and looking at bankruptcy. Mm. My marriage is falling apart. My, you know, I'm not, I'm a horrible dad because I'm gone 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. So I'm just like, everything fell apart essentially. So it was mostly because I didn't know who I was without football and I had to find a way to find myself again. So I poured everything into this fitness facility, this gym because my degree was in kinesiology. And I knew what I was doing in terms of that, but I didn't know business. Like I had this big ego, like, oh, I, I can make money. You know, I, I'm, I'm a hustler. I read this book. I could do sales. And, you know, it's this bravado that didn't carry over to any success in the business realm. And it took years to figure that out and essentially me breaking my entire life. So, I mean, that's the start of it. It, it, it went to a deep bottom and then got to a high, high. But that journey of entrepreneurship was one that was, uh, it was very difficult for me early on because I didn't, I mean, I didn't come out of it with any business mentors when I went into it. I didn't, mm. NFL, I didn't have any 
any friends in new business. I knew nobody. I was just trying it on my own and signing leases and buying equipment and, and just do breaking everything. <laughs> Did it all the wrong way, I guess, the best way to say it. Uh, it only made you stronger though, right? It does, Dan. It's, it's a, definitely a microcosm of the world. So like I can look back at those days at a gym early on and so like this was my condensing of what other people have been doing for the last eight years. You know, when I was in college with the NFL, I got to condense it down to like two. <laughs> like all of it came in one massive wave of just bah, just getting hit day by day in the face with like, you suck, man. And having to keep standing back up and standing back up day after day after day. And it just, it weighs on you, man. But once you, once you get through it, I think football allowed me to get used to that monotony. It allowed me to get used to the difficulty. Yeah, I think uh, like uh, a lot of times, especially a lot of people wake up and the monotony, right? And they don't, they, they don't particularly like what they're doing, but they don't know where else to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after your gym and you saw it was taxing on you. And uh, because uh, you said like uh, when people get out of the military or the NFL, I guess, in your case, um, you're so used to all this structure, right? structure around you, you uh, people are pretty much setting schedules for you. All so day. then when you get, so when you get out, you're like, uh, like now you got to figure it out, right? What you, do I do with my life? You, yeah. you, you have to manage your own time now and figure out how I'm going to succeed. Mm-hmm. So the gym, that didn't go so well. What made you pivot into what you are doing today? Yeah, that was the, uh, the breaking of my life thing. Like, I mean, this is, and this is, that's funny because we're from this area. So you could, I don't know if you're not, when did you graduate from high school out here? Uh, 2003. Oh, so you're right around my time, man. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't know each other, but yeah, this is yeah. the same. <laughs> so I come home and I'm doing the gym thing. And then eventually my, my marriage starts falling apart. Find out my wife's having an affair. Uh, this trip a bit to Hawaii and like, it just, it, it's everything came crashing down. And then at the same time, the gym, I'm getting hit with letters to be evicted. So I feel horrible there. I'm not present with my kids. My body's out of shape. I'm still reeling from the whole who am I without football. And like, I got to this dark moment. So what happens when everything hits the, the, the wall, like you go into a fog, it just happens to everybody. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. damn, this, this can't be real. It's just a straight fog for me. And I remember in those moments, just like, I kind of, I would have to go to the gym and be happy for people, but I had no happy to give. Mm-hmm. It just drained every ounce of my being. And then I remember one day I just, my buddy, I was after a UFC fight we had watched. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And he could see in me that that just wasn't the same guy. I was like broken. He's like, dude, I don't know what's going on. But like, you haven't said anything. He's like, but this is your reality, dude. Like, you got to work on this. And those words, four words, man, shook me to my core. Like, it felt like someone like threw a a haymaker right directly at my heart. And I just, I couldn't stop crying. Like, so I drove off, sent a text, said, please tell my friends and family, you know, please tell my kids who their father was. And so I, I pretty much drove off and I was looking for rat poison. Nothing was open, thankfully. Stopped in Stockton, like an hour route of just driving randomly. Police find me through GPS and I, you know, I kind of, you know, I can, I can talk well. So I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I don't know what's going on. You know, the, the feeling had subsided. I went home and had this, this weird just emotion of, of like, what in the world is like, this is post-football. You know, like, how's life supposed to be great? This is post-football. Like, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't want to be here. And I had to figure out how to come out of this. And so I remember I was still in a fog, like, and eventually little by little, the world started falling apart more for me. My wife and I, we ended up getting a full divorce, you know, custody battles. I'm living in a 500 square foot studio behind one of my employees, girlfriend's parents' house. Like I legit have my kids sleep on an air mattress, you know, next to the bed. Like 
dude, I'm in, in the bottoms. You know what I'm saying? This is like 2012. Yeah, like 2012 is going on. Then I ended up meeting some girl and my you know, ex-wife, we got divorced. She's got some guy she's living with and we're sharing the kids back and forth. And I got some dude raising my kids kind of over there. And then like, there's some woman you know, on this side I'm dealing with and I'm messing up the relationship again because I'm pissed at the world because you know women are horrible because they cheat on you and this kind of thing. And all this going on. And it got to this point where like uh, 2014, you said, how did I get to this stuff here? 2014, April 15th, in fact, and Kaiser down there uh, on the back edge of Deer Valley Road. Mm-hmm. I was in the room, uh, hold my mom's hand. She inhaled and exhaled her final breaths. She lost a 17 year battle with MS, 47 years old. And it was tough. Cause like, you're happy. She's out of pain. She's not hurting anymore. But there's realization of like, she had, all her potential ripped from her. The disease took all my mom's potential to be whoever she wanted to be. She had just finished nursing school 17 years earlier. And like a month or two after she's hit with this and she'd lose her entire future, right? Like sucks. And on top of that, I'm like, man, I'm not even enjoying my life. This isn't fun. Like this isn't what she, I beat statistics because of her, you know? And I had this thought of like, man, what if I do something with this crazy? Cause when I was going through my years earlier, crazy, a buddy of mine, Richie had been like, dude, you're a hero to a lot of us because of what you've done. But I wasn't in the place at that time to do anything about it. I wasn't in the place to create something. But at this time, I'd happened across a big contract at PG&E for a quarter million dollars. It was like $220,000 in profit. Uh, the gym was kind of easing out to where I didn't have to sign up a new lease. The lease was ending. Uh, and I had like this heart to, like, to try to make something of the crazy. So 2014, I start this process. But the process is still long. Like I, I'm for another two years, but I'm floating. I'm doing the whole playboy. I got money and I'm gonna go with a bunch of girls and I'm gonna travel around and unfulfilling, man. Like still internally, I started getting distant from God. I wasn't in my faith. And then I remember I woke up one day, 2016, January 1st, man, 2016. And I'd gone to Russia in 2015 for a presentation. I'd met this woman there and we couldn't even speak a language. She couldn't speak a lick of English. I didn't know any Russian and we just did Google Translate. It's a, a purely physical relationship, we'll call it. She'd flown out and just, it was just one of those, just, you know, an, an escapade of crazy, we'll call it. No drugs or anything, but just running around. I remember waking up January 1st and having this, this deep wave of disgust, like this overbearing sense of, I don't like who I am. I would never want my kids to do this. Like God is not looking at his son in a good way. And my mom, oh my, my mom saw me. This is not the man she raised me to be. And it was this thing of like, something's got to change, dude. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on. Cause all these things are broken. The gym was still on its like last leg every single two weeks. It felt like at one point I had to borrow money from my ex-wife. The gym was just, it's always physically. I was kind of in and out getting in better shape. I'd spend more time with other people's kids at the gym than my own kids, you know? Cause I was, that's, I gotta work kids. I gotta work. It's just this, it's crazy, man. And then I got to this point where like I stopped it all. So in that moment I stopped all of it. I was like, I got to figure out what's going on. And the one common denominator in all of my crazy was me. It was me. Yeah. And it took a lot, a lot to pull back the ego and be like, all right, what, what have you been doing? Like, how did we get here? And so I started kind of digging in. I sat this, this brown couch I had in front of a brown wall. And I would just stare at this wall. Down is actually deep Brentwood off of, uh, when you passed, was it Sycamore? Like when it turns to Sycamore right there, some uh, little apartments across from tailgaters in that area. That's where my little, uh, little townhouse was. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. Deep. Down so, the street uh, from, uh, from Liberty. Yeah, that's a rougher part of the neighborhood, but. A little bit. It's where I could yeah. afford to live at the time, and I wasn't yeah. doing much. And That's fine. 
So I started having these like these moments of like checking in, like how how did the relationship fall apart, Aunt? How did this go down? And like my wife, she she made a horrible choice to to make it to have an affair. But I realized like she didn't get to the place of feeling like she needed to by herself. It took two people to get her to feel like she needed something else. She wasn't even doing it to hurt me. She was just doing it so that she could get what she needed for herself. Like it was a selfish thing more than anything. It wasn't to hurt me, right? Uh, my kids, like they needed a present dad. I'd apologize to them. I had to talk to the guy my wife had an affair with. I had to had to look at the business and figure out what in the world am I doing wrong here? Like, how do I get off the, this, this, and the ego had to be pulled aside to get more help. So little by little, I started downloading like all these things I had to work on. And then I started doing the dirty, long, crazy work of like fixing things, just fit coming closer to God, going back to church, being more present. And fast forward October, I want to say October of 2016, right? It's 10 months later from that moment in January, I had somehow my wife and I, she had come back through a Joyce Myers book. She had found her own faith. Uh, God put us back into a position to have a conversation about possibly trying to make this thing work. Cause we were like high school sweethearts. I was a homecoming yeah. kid. We were kids when we got together and we didn't know yeah. who we were or, or who we'd be without each other. We, it's almost like we kind of needed to have our separation. I wish it didn't happen how it happened, but it did. Yeah. But we needed that time to figure out who we were and realize like, you know, we are meant to be together. And so God brought us back together. I, sold the gym businesses. So I get to spend a ton of time with my kids. And in the speaking, what I do in this world, I realize a lot of people that do it, it just is. But I find a lot of people are trying to tell you how to, how to cross the finish line and run this race. And they have to cross the finish line. So for me, it's like I had to cross all these finish lines. And now I turn back and say, look, at the end of the day, a lot of like the core of my work is an identity. There's a lot more like psychological and psychology stuff that goes into it. But really, it's who are you at your core? And when you can figure out who you are and honestly own up to it and then figure out who you want to be, I just do work to close the gap between those two. And so for me, I now get to go back and use very structured curriculum. Step one, step two, watch this, read this, write this, ask this question, do this work. And people get to the back end and accomplish things they never thought were possible because they didn't see that there was, a, there was a life there. Just like I didn't think that my life I have now was possible. Legit, like six years ago, this wasn't a reality. Like I'm like, this ain't. It was only 2014 back then. In 2014, yeah. I was broke. Like I had to borrow money from $5,000 from my ex-wife at the time, right? So this is stuff that when you do it right, you can fix everything. So I help people fix their life by fixing them in the, in the core of who they are. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a huge turnaround. Six years, you know. Yeah, uh, but it's doable. That's the thing I heard tell people. Like, I'm not magical. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is do doable. Um and as long as you're motivated, uh, you're, you're obviously a grinder. Uh, I, could, I could somewhat relate because like my resurrection of me happened around that time of 2013, uh, 2014. My wife's going to hate me because I can't remember when we met. It's okay. I, I've known her forever, you know, since we were kids as well. But she stayed on the, the church path and I became a rebel yeller, right? Like uh, as young males do, especially around here. It was just, yeah, and um, so I could, I could definitely relate because um, I started going to church as well. Uh, mm. Back, back to church. Uh, I went as a teen and I was like, my buddy, it's funny because January 1st or uh, New Year's Eve, my buddy was like, you should hit up Tammy. That's my wife. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, and I, I've been through like, downward spiral I was like I wasn't happy with because you, yeah. you go through all these things and you're just like it's like there's got to be more 
and so like I, you know, we we got to talking and it just clicked, right? Nine months later, we're married, and then uh, and we're still married, and we have two kids. It's awesome, man. Um, Seriously, yes, no. yeah. So I can I can relate to that 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 moment, right? That that click where things can turn around as long as you you know it's you and it's nobody else, right? Because I I always blamed everything, yes, but do. me, right? It's easier that way, right? It's very easy that way. Um, I think that's why, uh, God gave me a lot of gray hair now because uh, he's like, he's like, no, man, even though you're only 34, I'll give you all this gray because you keep blaming everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I got the, when my beard grows, I got the same gray. It's just, that's the natural thing though. It's cause yeah, I think when you're met with something that, that really sucks, what ends up happening, like just life, right? You're met with this, this situation of, I have to do one of two things in these moments. This is for everybody to listen, not just me and you, but I have to determine how I'm gonna progress forward to the next moment of my life. And in this situation where I feel as I have to accept one of two things. Thing one is there's something that is wrong with me and I gotta do the hard work to get better at it. Something off, something I gotta do. And that's the hard one to accept because it's just, it's, it's just, immediately I'm like, I don't want to do any work, right? Or what you do is you demonize the thing, you diminish it so you can feel better about the position you're in and what's going on. So I'll be blamed because it's too hard to accept. And, and the tough part is the longer you stay in that place, the longer you stay in that place because no yeah. one wants to accept it. And we're not in an area where the mental perspective of most men is, is leveled up to have those thoughts. And it's not even our fault. Our parents didn't have that. Right. Like it's not it's not something that's dropped. It's like most of the time it's bravado. It's like big truck, big muscles, you know, do my thing. Chill. I'm cool. Right. But like but I still got emotions. Like I still feel yeah. like you know, I still like my wife and I argue. I still feel that when my kids look at me crazy because I'm late. Like I still feel that. But we're not taught how to discuss it or talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it eats us. That's why the male suicide rate is like, you know, six times out of women because we get a lot more dynamics and we never talk about it. So it's tough. Yeah. Like it's real, though. It's always a perception of like, we, we got to be the strong one in the family. Right. So when there's a lot of roads that have to be crossed uh, as a family, it's on your shoulders. And uh, if you don't talk about it with your, your wife or significant other, um, it's definitely going to weigh on you. Um, So through all this outcome, you know what I have to, I have to kind of go off on a little tangent with your, your video of, I, I wish I wasn't, I wish you weren't born as me as your father, me as your father. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, man. I had to share it with a bunch of people. It took me like five or six times to even get through that. Talking about showing emotion. Yeah. I was like, I was like, that was a very powerful message. And I mean, you got a lot of powerful messages, but if you're a parent, that one was like, that one hit me pretty good. It's, that's one of those ones I, I honestly pulled out of my own experience as a dad. And I was like, I'm going to put something down and, uh, and we'll make a quick video about it. And it hit, man. A lot of people, I think there's like almost 9 million views on it uh, on Facebook. But it's, it's one of those ones that we all experience, but few people talk about. And we, we don't because we want to be, we're, you know, we're kind of embarrassed. And I'm, I'm embarrassed that was who I was. I yelled at him for whatever. He just wanted to hang out mm-hmm. with dad. You know? And so, so that was one where it's like the idea was like, I just kind of want to show uh, a story where someone can hear like and see it outside of themselves what they are looking like and how they're operating and then have a seed get planted of like man i gotta i gotta be better self-included so that was kind of the purpose of that for sure yeah and uh kids don't know right they uh kids are just always filled with joy right yeah. so they're just like hey 
like they think like the whole world is like a game right they're just like they're just like there's nothing going on in this world but my my dad my mom my brother my sister whoever so they they don't see all that outside stuff and and it's hard sometimes as a parent to take like hide all that reality uh, and put your energy towards them with a positive energy right yeah yeah, you got to do it. The thing is, parents. The thing is hard for us is we don't. We're not. Again, we're not taught how to do it by our own parents. And I mean, you'd be surprised. Some of the comments and they're like, "Oh, what a sissy dad. His kids like it's all that kind of stuff." And I'm like, "Hey, that's that's cool if you think that, but that's the problem, man." And then I bet that person you go back when they were a kid, they would have been pissed if it happened to them. But but what we do, we seriously look what we do. I just talked about earlier. You have to either accept it as something wrong and change, or condemn it so you can stay in the position you're at. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of people just condemning it. Like, cause if you look at probably most people's lives who were like, ah, oh, he's just being a stupid dad. What a weak dad. It's like, okay, cool. But like, let's go back to your past. Did something like that happen that maybe you did it. You don't want to admit that you shouldn't be doing it. So it's better to demonize it. So you ain't got to work on something. And that's kind of the dynamic. Cause I don't care who you are. No one, no one needs to have that kind of feeling from your kid, your kid, no matter what's going on, should never think you hate them. There's a problem. If that's the case, mm-hmm. even if they're a crazy kid doing craziness, if they think that you hate them, there's something off and you're the adult. You got to change something. Yeah. Um, what keeps you, what keeps you driving each day? Like, uh, you're, uh, cause you're, you're a coach, right? Like, uh, and it's, it's not just necessarily on, on the personal training level now. It's, uh, no, I do nothing fitness actually anymore. Yeah. So it's, uh, what kind of coaching do you do? So I work in the realm of, uh, it's personal development coaching. So I do more of like a human improvement. That's what I explain okay. it. So what keeps, when you wake up, what keeps you driving to, to be that high energy guy that we see on the, yeah, on you know, to be honest, a lot of it's like just, that. uh, dude, it boils down to me just wanting to, wanting to make sure I leave this planet with every drip drop taken out, like nothing left in me, man. And I don't know what that looks like. I think the thing for my mom and her potential not being realized, it makes me like want to continuously see what can I do? what is possible beyond what I see as possible and just reach my full potential. So it drives me as the unknown awesome that's out there for me. That's awesome. Um, have you, uh, what kind of books do you like to read? Um, that I keeps you like, you can't see I got a library. Full yeah. Book. Uh, I like, man, I, I like things that make me think differently. You know, things that give you perspectives on situations that either you didn't know existed or you didn't, didn't know the solution to. Uh, things that make me grasp how to communicate better, how to, uh, how to remove like upper limits that I may not even see, like the, the glass ceilings that we have that we put in place of ourselves. A couple of books I've read recently are good to great. It's more so like business and CEOs, but it's also yeah. Gay Hendricks, what's called The Big Leap. Uh, and The Big Leap's interesting because it's talking about how do you make the big leap to the next level and like pretty much slash you and break through your upper limit that you don't even see. There's millionaires and billionaires with upper limit issues. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you really, you know, press into those things? Uh, and then good to great, some more business, but it's like, you know, groundhog, it's a, it's a hedgehog concept, but like those are the books I'll read business oriented or more personal development oriented. Is the business one mainly just, uh, for like your, your coaching aspect? Um, just uh, to kind of focus yeah. It, yeah. Cause if you think about business, I mean, whether I'm doing the coaching that I do now or uh, running a podcast, mm-hmm. or if I was, you know, trying to sell desks that I made by hand business is business. There's, there's, yeah. it's just the product may be different and the marketing may be different, but you still have to understand how marketing works. understand how, um, you know, supply chains work, understand how to serve a client, how to, how to, you know, advertise, how to, you know, the systems work to how to, you know, grow a staff and grow income. 
business is always going to be a thing that you consistently if you're in business should learn about. And that was one of the drawbacks for me earlier on. I didn't understand business. I didn't really grasp what a business model was, you know, like people say, what's your business model? And very few people can rattle what that off is. So for me, it's learning what that is, the intricacies, the adjustments I can make, how to track, how to tweak, how to scale, how to grow, all these fun things. That's completely separate from the human of Anthony because who I am is a vastly different thing I have to learn outside of what I can do with who I am. What kind of things do you got going on uh, in the future? You got any big plans? Uh, besides big plans? Your, uh, It'd be nice if the world opened back up, right? And go out there and, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> live a life. Uh, I got a book that is going to come out, hopefully by the end of the year. I have coaching programs that are relaunching and doing some cool things there. Outside of that, man, I just the wife and I are enjoying being parents. My wife has a business, a couple businesses she runs, and I help with those. I do my thing. It's, it's really, uh, man, I don't know. It's not anything at this moment where I'm trying to like do big things. I like to mm-hmm. do small things in a big way. I've always been a proponent of like the big things will come and I'll find those and I'll tackle them. But I plan for like, how can I do the small things like a monster that everybody else won't? Cause those are the things that separate. Is that how you uh, uh, apply like your entrepreneurship skills? Like you just do all the little things and that those, yeah. those big things will come. The big things always come, but you spend more time on the journey than you do at the peak of the mountain. You know, I'm going to climb mm. the mountain longer than I'll ever be hanging out at the peak. So you should probably get good at climbing the mountain. So not even that, but enjoy the climb. Because you, if you hate every step of the way to the top of the mountain, you're not going to get to the peak and be like, oh, it's great, amazing. No, you're going to be unhappy when you get there. Yeah. So I find ways to fall in love with the process and doing the small things. And, and when you do, the big things, they genuinely just kind of come to pass. And then it's like life is every, it's like life is good. And then you get a cherry on top. You know, it's not like I'm going up and down, up and down. I'm going up higher. And then I'm going up higher and then I'm, it's just always, it's always a climb. It's like some people go up and down and up and down. I'm like, I'm like this. And then I get cool spikes and I'm always up here. I'm never down here. Right. So, and then I get good spikes. And I, so it's just always this good flow of what I'm doing. I have my bad days. I'm human. Yeah. But for the most part, man, I get to a point of just loving the process of it all. Sweet. Uh, what do you think of this pandemic thing? Yeah, it's, it's craziness. It's crazy. I don't, huh? I don't even know if it's honest. I mean, I, there's got to be some parts that are real, obviously. I know some people yeah. passed away. I'm not going to take that away. But there's uh, most definitely aspects from like the way it's being handled is odd. It's because there's no logical sense behind how certain things work, how some companies can work and some can't. And um, the government allows their workers to do mm-hmm. what they do, but nobody else can. And, you know, Governor Newsom, his winery is open, but everything else is closed down. There's <laughs> just not a congruency. I and mean, there's not a congruency yeah. that means that things are going off of somebody's feelings and feelings are fleeting. They're not structured. So like, I don't honestly have any idea what to do with it all. It's just super weird. Well, I mean, at least everybody is going through it together, right? Besides politicians. Cause they get, I to guess, so. I guess that's the best they, way to look at it because uh, they get to do what they want, but uh, they, they're trying to lock everybody down. Um, everybody so down through all your, you know, ups and downs and uh, your past, what can you share with others that may be going through some of the stuff that you've mentioned in your story? What can you share to, to, to motivate them to, to press on? Yeah, there's a few things. I think one of the big things I tell people all the time is you got to own your shift. My, my company is called Identity Shift, right? That's where the shift word comes into play. And, and the way I look at it is own your shift is three specific words that actually individually carry much weight. And at, you know, first listen, own your shift is like, I'll oh, just own your stuff, which is part of it. The first thing is, is really own, which means you, you need to own the aspect 
that there is something that needs to be worked on. You will never fix anything you do not give yourself permission to fix. This is the ego tearing down and saying, all right, I got to be a better dad, better husband. Like really honestly saying that. So yeah. the first thing is you really got to go and own there's something that's got to be worked on. Uh, even if it's not your fault, it has to be done, right? Then it's your, it's your work to do. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility, right? Even if something happens you know, that was not your fault, no one's going to come in, in a black cape and save your life. You got to be the one that mans up and woman's up and says, all right, I'm responsible for making this thing better, even though this all broke and fell apart. Most of the time it's our fault. Often, you know, there's situations where it's not, it doesn't matter. You got to do it. There are a lot of people in life that know there's a problem and know it's on them to fix it, but don't do anything. I know these people. Mm -hmm. I've got friends who are like this, like always in the same place, but they just say, I don't feel like fixing it. Like, all right, man, whatever. The last word is shift and shift is a verb, right? It's, it's one that I like to think of as an action. We're moving which means shift your perspectives, your actions, your reactions, your habits, your drivers. Because when you shift those, you can shift your life. It's the work that you have to do to change your life. And people here change your life and like, ah, what's what change what in your life? Like to have a different life, to have a happier, change the way that you feel about your life right now. That's what I'm saying. Like change the joy you have, change the peace of mind you have, change the, the confidence you got, the, the, the control you have, the influence you got in the world, change your position at work, right? Change something because change is good. People think change is bad because I don't want to change. It's a weird change. But everything good we have came because we changed something. If I got muscles because I changed my eating habits, my workout habits, I changed it, right? If uh, I, I get in a good relationship and my marriage gets better, I change the way I operate in the marriage. Good things happen with change. But if you don't do that work, man, it's just going to be the same roller coaster you stay on and it's eventually going to take you to hell. Definitely. That's how, that's how a lot of people stay depressed and you don't want to live life saying, man, I wish I could have, or what if I did yeah. that? And, you know, you don't want to have those pretense uh, notions, right? You want to be able to say, I did do that, right? Yeah, that's pretty uh, much it. Well, Anthony, um, I know you got to wrap this up and get going on uh, your other tasks at hand. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, this little bit of conversation. Too, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I'm glad uh, you're doing this, man. We need more people out here to be doing this like 100 yeah. percent. like we need more more guys doing work and girls doing stuff that allows the rest of the world to realize like there's so much talent and opportunity and there's a lot of heart out in our area man so i'm happy to see mm -hmm. another local brother doing something yeah and uh you got to shed the light in all this darkness right mm -hmm. somebody's got to do uh, it and i think there's uh, an area that has an openings on every level i i'm i'm on a very small level right now uh mm -hmm. but that's okay uh, just as long as you touch one person, that's all, that's all that matters. I agree. But yeah, you have a good weekend, man. I, I appreciate you, uh, hopping on and, uh, giving me your time. It was, it was yeah, an man. honor. No problem. But only anything else you need, man, feel free to reach out when it comes time to share with me so I can get pushed out too. Okay. I will, I will let you know that, that's for cool. sure. All right, I'll man. Take care. All right. See you later, Anthony. Later, man. See ya.